0: Welcome to Couch Time. I am your host, Susie, a licensed marriage and family therapist, joined by my co-host, Janet, licensed clinical social worker. Thank you for joining our show, where we dive into topics like mental health and relationship wellness, along with sharing our experiences and lessons learned on our road to licensure and building a private practice. You can connect with us at roadtowellness.co and suzyholagian.com, where you can also find show notes for this episode.
1: everybody. Welcome to Couch Time Podcast. My name is Janet Bairamian. I am here with my co-host.
0: Hello, everyone. My name is Susie Halajian, and we're so glad to have you guys
2: back.
1: Yeah, we have a special guest today. Her name is Dr. Veronica Io. Thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity.
1: Yeah, we're so excited for you to be here. We're going to be talking a lot about moving from agency work, going into private practice. I know Dr. Aou, you also have been talking about going on maternity leave and what that looked like for yourself as a professional. So before we go into that, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? What drew you to the field of mental health?
2: Yeah, so... What initially drew me to the field was I had an awesome therapist. Let's kind of go there. I had an awesome therapist. and I was like, I want to be just like her. I want to do this, you know? And that was when I was still in community college um, and still kind of trying to figure it out. You know, I knew I, at that time, I, I thought that I knew that I wanted to work with kids. And I was like, how can I do this? How can I, you know, get in that? And just taking classes and naturally just evolved into there, you know, from undergrad and then, you know, getting my master's and then eventually getting my doctorate and just loving this field, loving working with people, relationship. I love to talk. I love to listen. I love to grow all those things. I, this field was meant, meant for, to put uh, put me in a little little box in it and to contribute. So that's kind of how I got into it.
1: Amazing. I love that. And out of curiosity, because, you know, as mental health practitioners, there are so many different routes, you know, that we can take, like, I know Susie, you're an LMFT. I'm an LCSW. It sounds like for you, um, Dr. Aou, you also decided to get your doctorate. So out of curiosity, you know, what, what kind of helped you decide to go on that route?
2: So the seed was planted actually while I was getting my master's and I had met someone I believe she was an MFT who she was in the doctorate program. And she's like, you know, um, this is not necessarily a traditional thing because I got my doctorate in education. So not a SID, which she's like, most people go in the SID route. And she's like, you know, for me, I felt like my clinical skills and what I knew was very strong. But in terms of education, it's always been a passion of mine. And that's what she said. And I was like, yeah, actually me too. So the seed was planted, you know, and, and then I went through the logisticals of, graduating my master's program, collecting hours, getting licensed. And, you know, once that happened, that seed began to grow a little bit for me. And I was like, you know, I'm really passionate about education, particularly stemming from my own experience. So I present as a Black woman. I am a Black woman, but a piece of me also is my mother's Mexican. So I am an Afro-Latina, you know, and I remember when I was learning how to speak English, it was a struggle for me. And at that time, now mind you, it's kind of the 90s, right? There wasn't so much of the talk of being bilingual, integrating that into schools, also being Black, you know, because that wasn't a a thing, also being biracial. And, and I was like, I want to learn more about it. And so, the doctorate program that I pursued talked a little bit more about educational psychology. And I was like, I want to, I want to know more about, I want to put in my skills as a clinician, but also from my own experiences of what influenced me to learn, um, how that influenced my educational journey and all those things. And so that's kind of what drew me into it. And I just graduated just like Mm -hmm. my degree says may, I defended in January, but I just graduated, took a little bit longer than I wanted to had three babies in the mix. So that kind of throws into it, but I'm so glad that I did, was able to take it and just being able to combine those two things um, ultimately in what I decided to do my dissertation on. I am talking a lot, but I, I did it on uh, student mothers because I was wow. a mother in the program and I didn't necessarily see myself represented as a mother juggling this piece, also working, you know, being a clinician. And so that's ultimately what I decided to do my dissertation on and hope to expand on it, provide more information and hopefully even to uh, start up some support, whether through programs or different things to be able to assist other student mothers, because the reality is, you know, moms are out there, we're getting our schooling worth, it's a big piece of it. So long-winded answer. It it congratulations, like- by the way. <laughs> <laughs> thank it, you. It thank also you. sounds
0: like such a unique and underrepresented topic, right? Like there are so many dissertations that we hear about that feel like you know different versions of the same topic. But you know, even as I was I was going through your social media the other day, and I was like, these are such incredible conversations to be having. You know, like there are so many women who are in school, who are raising children, who are you know in pregnancy and, and no one really talks about it. So what an incredible kind of nugget to have found that personal connection to, but to speak on as well.
2: Yes, I needed it also. I needed something to keep me going my purpose about it too. And, you know, as I, especially because of social media, being able to connect with other people Mm -hmm. and I I kept hearing, Oh, you know, that's not in my physical program. So when I was, I did my first uh, two years physically in person and then not on purpose, but COVID then kind of happened. So it became online. And that was a thing too. It's like physically, there wasn't anything, my community or what I reached out to was through social media of like, mm-hmm. Oh, Hey, we're moms also in school. Like, you know, let's kind of bond and, and try to support each other. So thank you.
1: And I love that you're on this platform talking about it, because I have to tell you, you know, with some of the clients that I work with who are parents, you know, who have young kids and want to go back to school or want to pursue a particular type of career, they think it's too late or, you Mm -hmm. know, that, you know, that Peace really holds them back. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty about it. So I love that you're here essentially saying no, it's possible. I did a whole dissertation on it. I'm sure, you know, there were bumps in the road, like with any person's journey, you know, through graduate school. But I I appreciate you sharing that it was a possibility for you and that, you know, in, in a sense, you felt underrepresented. But in a way, you're you defended yourself in the dissertation and you connected with other parents, young moms who are in the similar journey like you.
2: Yeah. And yeah, that was the goal, you know, cause I think I heard that too. I remember when I, you know, got my acceptance because so self-disclosure y'all I apply, got pregnant and then got accepted. So I knew that I was going to have a baby in the program and I did pause for a moment you know and I do reach back and think of my mother because she primarily was the person that I would need some support with you know and she's like I've never navigated these spaces before my mom you know has a high school education so she's like I know nothing about the work but you can do it you know and I think sometimes we don't have that and and that's why I speak openly about it. I try to bring it into a conversation. It isn't so much to brag, or, but it's also to kind of, you never know who's listening and you never know who needs to hear, hey, you can do it. It's going to be hard. There will be some tears, believe me. I cried a lot and doubted myself, but you, know, you can do it if that's what you want and it might look differently and that's, you know, and that's okay. And let's talk about that. Maybe it's an awful experience. You know, some of the mothers that I got to interview were like, this is awful because- COVID hit in the middle of their program. So they were like, this is awful. I had this plan laid out already. I was stretched thin. And then COVID happened, you know, so. And curious, can
1: you identify, I'm sure there were many, but as you were talking about it, I'm super curious, were there any surprises either in the mothers that you were interviewing or, you know, in your own experience about getting accepted into a program or starting your program? And then, you know, having a child or getting pregnant. Was there anything that absolutely surprised you that y- you weren't prepared for, in a sense?
2: Off the bat, COVID. That was what the research showed. COVID right. was the big one. Of like, oh my gosh, we no one expected this, right? Um, I did the most of my research was at the height of COVID. So that summer, last summer, uh, was when that happened. But I think also, uh, aside from that, was just how discouraging people were people who you think would be encouraging that's kind of what I heard across the board from moms being like I thought my husband or my partner would be on board but he kind of was the most not on board out of all of them because of the disruption you know of or different things not generalizing just saying Um, and also in my research primarily they named partner husband so I'm not trying to put it against everyone but that's just kind of of what came back of people who replied to me so just the lack of support and then of also institutions you know um feeling like "Ah, I have to pump and they don't talk about you know what's that like you know where do you have to go and pump you know if that's what you're doing or the fact that because when you have to give a presentation, somehow you lose childcare that day and I have to bring my kid in and just the lack of support of from my teacher or being like I need to keep my kid quiet, you know that was you know and then for me, I think the big thing that came up for me and my in my experience and kind of what really led to my topic ultimately was, a professor who was not supportive of me. You know, he, and and I don't think he would outright say that in that way, but saying it quickly, you know, I kind of knew when the baby was going to come, right? You don't, can't plan it, but I kind of knew like sometime in October, this child's going to come. And of course a group project was, and a presentation was during that time because that's, you know, Naturally. semester. That's how, that's just how things work. And, you know, so I said, okay, you know, I was transparent with my group members like hey maybe I will be here if not this is why it is that this is the reason that I won't but I will do all the back-end work I will you know do all these things I told the professor first day of school all that stuff right I came back way too early if I could reflect back I would have told young mom me like sit down Veronica it's okay but still came, gave birth came back I was able to give the presentation but regardless I came back there was an assignment that was due and the professor came up to me and he's like in front of the whole class was very much like i know some of you guys weren't able to get your paper in on time you know i know you just had a baby you must have been the one that who didn't who didn't have it in you know it's okay like you can get it in late my oh response my besides shaking besides shaking was like actually i turned in my assignment two weeks ago i already got a grade for it you're not speaking about me right and so just that generalization of like that you know and also normalize like maybe I did not turn it in on time you don't need to call me out you know you don't need to do that like at all like I just had I literally just had a baby you know like it doesn't need to happen and so those things kind of ultimately just small things like that were just felt so discouraging that I was like no I need to find out more about this I want to know more I want to build community I want to do all these things so that was my doctorate
1: Wow. And I I have to say that, I mean, that wasn't a small thing. That was a big thing. That was quite invalidating. When you, when you shared it, I'm sure you saw on me, like my mouth was open. Cannot believe that this was what was said to you, especially in front of a whole classroom of students, like how humiliating and uncalled for. Yeah.
0: And targeted too. Mm -hmm. You know, like such a huge assumption. And you know, Janet, like you said, uncalled for. Oh, I'm so sorry about that.
2: Yeah, me too. Believe me, I, I wrote I wrote about it, uh, not in just dissertation, but also kind of gave back feedback and yeah. was like, that's not appropriate because you never know, you know, different people, how they take those things. And, you know, it's just not supportive.
1: And we were still in the middle of a global pandemic. So how about we not forget about that too?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> And it's so, so important to, I think, be calling these things out, because like you said, like talking about motherhood, and I'm sure a lot of this is in your dissertation, but it's not a conversation that normally gets thrown into, you know, these like needs for big change, even in like institutional settings, right? Or even in like partnership settings, it's not something that really gets talked about. And then I think a lot of people kind of push it under the rug once a pregnancy is over or a child grows up. And, you know, it's kind of like one of those things of like, oh, I'm done with it. I could leave it and I don't have to worry about it, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's not because it sets, sets the future up for, for women and, and upcoming generations.
2: Yes, yes, completely. We think the more that we talk about things. And I think that's also how I present in myself, like as a therapist too, it's like the more that we talk about things, the more we normalize, give space for it. Doesn't mean that I can fix it. I don't know how to fix it completely. I have ideas, but just even that can feel comforting and, and so needed instead of, you know, just brushed under the rug.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And actually thinking about some of our listeners, you know, I imagine a lot of our listeners are, you know, interested in going into the mental health field. A lot of them might be in grad school. Could you offer any either advice or feedback for, you know, a lot of, you know, the the listeners that we have here that are thinking about either starting a family, you know, while they're in grad school or if it just happens to happen, you know, can you offer any feedback?
2: I would say do it if you want to do it. Like I think, I love to plan. So it's self-disclosure. I love to plan. So me becoming pregnant was not part of the plan. (laughs) However, you know, things happen. And if it's truly where you want it to go or the accident happens and that's truly how you want to go, you know, do it and find support, find community, find at least one person that can just, be there for you, you know, even if they don't know what they're doing, you know, I, I think of myself of why I talk about it so much. But I think also, I think of the people who not on purpose, but just showed up in my life to be really beneficial, you know, at at the time that I needed, again, they didn't have the words for it but it, it made a difference. And also use social media. In social media, there are some groups out there that talk about this parenthood dynamic. And I think sometimes when we think of social media, we think like, oh, it can be very judgmental or over, and it can, and um, you know, time consuming, and it can be, but also there is community. That is the point of social media, Instagram. You know, it was, is supposed to be you know, connecting. And so even if they're not in your program, that would be where I would suggest first, if you could find someone in your program, if not maybe finding someone online, you know, and, and I did, you know, I think of moms that I found that were having toddlers or older who were able to kind of say, you know, hey, you can do this, it won't be easy. Um, and that I will say that to everyone, it will not be easy. And I 100% feel that and do that, but also, just take one step at a time, one step. And, you know, eventually, whenever that happens, you'll get there, you know? And I think if it doesn't happen, you know, if you're in a two-year program, so my program, I did it in four years, right? It was supposed to be a little bit faster, but that didn't happen and that's okay. You know, like the diploma's still there, you know? You can still call me doctor. It just took a little bit longer and just adjusting to that. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what I would say.
1: that that's beautiful feedback so you know going going with it no matter what surprises come your way i love that feedback yeah and
0: and speaking of that i kind of want to combine two of your specialties so therapy and education right and i think we talk about how both of these structures and and institutions can be quite inflexible what do you and i know you mentioned you know you might not have the perfect solution to all these but you've got some ideas so what would be some of those ideas to help the field help underrepresented populations and, and mothers and all of these kinds of things that are so passionate to you to help them really thrive and, and seek success? Because I think like even when like colloquially we talk about it in our field, like it sounds so impossible to get through these obstacles when you, when you can't perfectly plan your life.
2: Yeah, I think the big thing that comes to me is transparency in terms of like talking about these things. Because I think when I think of, especially from my research, I'm going to quote some of the things from my research of in terms of like, so mental health was actually one of the tenants that I kind of, because I'm a therapist, y'all had to see like, hey, how is depression, anxiety showing up in, in these, you're going to school, how is it showing up? Spoiler, it shows up, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling depressed, you're feeling like you're failing at everything, right? But one of the things or the questions that I asked was what could make it better? And it's like, I wish I had someone to talk to. I wish that they could just let me be, not try to fix, you know? And I think of, you know, when I talk about things, ideas of what I would, I could think could blend both of them is That if a mom says or a student says like they're hating every aspect of their program, then that experience is true. Maybe at that time they really are and they need someone to validate that. They don't need someone to be like, well, why don't you try this or why don't you try that? You know, if they wanted to quit, okay, that's a different conversation, you know, and but I think sometimes there's this shame of I wanted to do this. So therefore I shouldn't complain or therefore I should always be happy about it. Or therefore, you know, these expectations that we put on ourselves. And um, one of the things that kind of came up in the research and that I think is either finding a therapist or finding someone does not be, you know, a a therapist, but like someone that you can talk to that you're able to show up as yourself, whether in the program, whether that's through mentoring or, you know, through like mental health or different things like that, I think would be really beneficial because that small change can really make a difference between you feeling overwhelmed or not. You know, obviously other things I would have is, you know, scholarships for, for childcare, more flexibility in terms of how you attend class. But I think that's one of the good things about COVID. COVID mm. taught us, we can do Zoom. It's possible. Yeah, <laughs> We can do it. You know, we don't need to be physically there. So things like that and flexibility. And also if someone has to bring their kid, let them bring their kit. Don't let it be, just let it be, you know, kind of what it it is. You know, I I had to bring my daughter for a presentation that I had. For some reason, childcare just didn't work. My husband wasn't able to get there, so straight up put her in a stroller, prayed that she didn't cry, and she didn't. And another mom who was in there, whose kids were older, she was kind of more a little bit older, was like, "Yeah, I'll just push her on it." My daughter was so amazed at the time. She was maybe. <laughs> I'm going mess up for like a year, a year and a half maybe, and was like, oh, mom, mom's presenting. What is mom talking about? It's boring to her, you know. But like <laughs> things like that. But that made that made it though. Someone was pushing my stroller, like you know, so that yeah. she wouldn't crash. that could get through it, and then also the flexibility of okay, I'm gonna leave the class because no toddler is gonna sit through a class, you know, in terms of a professor being flexible with. Okay, I get it, Veronica. You can't show up and and that's okay you know and at that time so I started the program pre-covid so I wasn't able to do zoom but things like that like hey let's 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 be flexible with that because we we can you can make small accommodations it and it can really make a difference in someone thriving or not
0: and and it's not detrimental to the you know the idea of what schooling is or you know it doesn't it doesn't ruin the program yes. in any way, you know, like it's not harmful to be flexible.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, completely. It's not, it, it could be even more helpful. Right. Because I got my presentation done and I felt better. Or I think of when I went back to school <laughs> right after I gave birth to my daughter, <laughs> I probably could have been more present, less shaky, less because I was a mess. So I was like, a, I don't think people could tell. I don't think people could tell that we're looking at me. And some people didn't even know I was pregnant. I didn't even feel comfortable. And that was a thing also, people not feeling comfortable to be able to share that they were having a baby, you know.
1: I also wanted to ask you, you know, we we talked, I know in, in your bio that you shared with us and a lot of us mental health clinicians, We've gone from agencies, we've gone into private practice, you know, so I'd love to also hear a little bit about your journey, you know, in agency settings, your transition to private practice. What has that been like for
2: you? It's been fun and frustrating. Also keeps me on my toes, you know, so started off an agency here in L.A., kind of the only way I thought that's how you collect your hours like that's just what you got to do you got to go in the DMH route that's what we call it here in LA for anyone who's on the scene in LA so I jumped into that you know and and wanted to do that work and that's actually the work that I thought I was going to do you know forever and then while I was there I, I was specifically working with only older adults and I was thinking about the licensure exam and I was like, we're not only going to be talking about older adults now, are we, I need to learn more about other people. So I jumped to another agency and in this agency, they were not DMH funded. So they were not, their funding was different. That means restrictions. Now restrictions. Well, I don't know. Well, yeah. Guidelines were different. Maybe not restrictions. You <laughs> guys can tell I'm, I'm scarred by DMH. <laughs> not <long as> restrictions, <laughs> guidelines were a little bit different. And that's kind of where I got, even found out that therapists did private practice. I had never heard of it before. Mm -hmm. Never, never, never heard of it before. I had just thought you just went and you kind of can continue to do that. Right. And one of the things I think that I had mentioned was about being a therapist of color, right? All the therapists that I knew that looked like me or were kind of sort of in the same thing, kind of just did the same thing. Like we just go into DMH, that's where you are at. And so self-disclosure, the agency I was at was primarily white. And I was first exposed to, oh, that's what happens. I didn't know that's even an option. You know, again, a small seed planted. I didn't think anything of it. Got licensed. I really appreciated the work of doing adults and couples and working with families, you know, outside of older, older adults. So I really just love that and got licensed got into that doctorate program, had a baby. And I was like, I need flexibility. I can't be somewhere this, at, at the time, my commute for for people who are in LA understand how tough a, a commute is. Commute was too long. It wasn't gonna work no more. And and I met someone who was like, actually, you know, there's this group practice. You can kind of pick your hours, but you're still kind of doing the same work. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I can give it a shot. You know, I and I loved it. I... I could sort of pick my own clients. Like I had, like, this is my specialty, but they would still kind of be more insistence of like, hey, you know, sort of fits, take this client, you know, comes with it. But they did all the admin work. They did all, you know, I still had to do my notes. For everyone listening, you never get rid of notes. Notes are always in there, but they look different. But I didn't have to worry about referrals. Clients just kind of came of it. And I just really enjoyed, you know, enjoyed that. And I was like, I think this is it had a second kid, went back to do it again, group practice, I was like, I really love it, but then I noticed, actually, I can do this, I was, you know, learning more about the admin work, knowing more, like, kind of behind the scenes, because when you don't know what's behind the scenes, you just don't, don't know, and I was like, I want to do private practice, Uh, I, I think, you know, and even though I was at a group practice and I love the stability of a paycheck. And I think that was maybe one of an episode that you guys talked about the stability of a yeah. paycheck from working at a group practice or, or something, yeah. from pigment, you know. I love that, but I was like, I was still having to work more than what I wanted because they take a certain cut, It took, you know, of it. I just, now fast forward, I have three kids, you know, and I'm like, I, I am exhausted. And not because of from clients, but just, just life, you know, I got three little ones and yes, I can keep pushing forward. And yeah, and I was like, I want to do prior practice. And so I, I jumped into it, you know, got into Dr. Cassidy's course, you know, to learn a little bit more, more than what I needed and very much put my ear to the ground about learning and, and have been, you know, stepping into that. And then I found out about podcasts and <laughs> social media and all these things that, we didn't look, this is not how I thought it was going to be. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, this is so different. We can have these important conversations, which is what I love. You know, I, I know that I saw blogs and all these things. And I like that too, but I love this. I love being able to talk. Oh gosh, there's podcasts. Oh my gosh, there's speakings about this stuff. You know, oh, you can connect with, with potential clients or, or even other therapists. And so that's my long-winded answer of how i got into prior practice and and, and how we ultimately got connected and being here
0: well you've really taken all the i think the like stages stepping stones <laughs> yeah all all the stages of what it means to be a therapist I, I think specifically especially like in la right like for us it feels like the top of the pyramid is like being present on social media and then hello 2021 everyone's podcasting right <laughs> So you've really evolved with the field and how that has changed, you know, starting from DMH, which, you know, even those who don't have an experience DMH know the residual, you know, traumatizing Trauma. effects of DMH
2: <laughs> to, you know, where you are now. Yeah. We've gone through it. That's not how I envision it to be. And I think that was actually something that I, I hope maybe can be imparted from this conversation is that it's okay if it's not how you envisioned it to be, right. you know, you can pivot a little bit and you're still nervous. I still get nervous, you know, in terms of even starting the group practice, what is that going to be like? Cause in agency work you get assigned to, this is, this is me. They just give them to me. If They don't like me very rarely are they going to change and stuff right. like that. And here I was like, oh, okay yeah, I get assigned clients, but we kind of had a little bit more autonomy and, and you know and stuff like that. to now, like, okay, I actually have to you know market myself differently yeah. and 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 all those things. and and so it's okay to pivot. it's okay to be scared it's okay to also hate parts of it. Like, I love this conversation. I love this stuff, but I'm still learning how to show up on social media. You know, I'm still learning how to do all those Mm -hmm. things. And sometimes that can be frustrating, which is why I use the word frustrating, because it's, I wouldn't define myself as a creative person, you know, like, I think I can connect, I think I can connect in a heartbeat with somebody, but how to extend it, to social media and how how to kind of do that is just that's where my frustrating piece kind of comes from and so yeah
0: I I hear your frustration but I want to say that if anyone has not checked out your Instagram they really need yes. to because it is gorgeous. I love like, your reels so by the way
1: sorry to interrupt so I love good. your reels thank
2: you I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> thank you
1: <laughs> it it is tough though.
0: It's tough to start off and feel comfortable and and I think like people love seeing the presence of whose page they're following and it's so important to do so. It's something that I struggle with personally. I go through stages where I cannot stand social media and there are stages where I'm like, "Okay, this this feels really fun. It really feels me. It fills up my my therapist cup." But no, you you are killing it there.
2: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm going to store that in my cup for when I, <laughs> you know, feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not, you know? And I, yeah. and I think it, even as you say that, you know, I think I have felt some of that too. And something that I remind myself, like it's okay to kind of take a break and, and come back and, and, you know, do it differently. And I, I know, especially with social media, we kind of hear like we have to be present and all those things, but, you know, I something that I've learned in this field. And I think it's partially why I'm still having fun and why I, you know, pivoted a little bit into supervising trainees is like we can change and it's okay. I think that's what I love about our field, that there's just so much out there. I feel like we're just always evolving because it's about community and connection. Yeah,
0: evolving and observing it all in. Um, I don't want to brush on one thing that you mentioned. You said when you first started, especially at agency you didn't see therapists of color in private practice and and really in these like group agency settings and you've talked about before how you know that's gradually changed over time i think i think my question here is what do you feel like the community needs more and what can the therapist community really help to I don't know if equalize the representation is the right word because on social media, I've seen such an amazing boom of, of therapists of color really speaking out. So I'm I'm wondering like, what's been your experience with that? And how where, I guess, where do we go from
1: here?
2: You know, I think, so as you mentioned social media, I, I think the same thing. Like, and I think sometimes I even think that of like other therapists, cause I'll be like, all my therapist friends are people of color, right? Yeah. But that's not- always true of everyone and and I you know and so and I I feel like I keep coming back to like keep talking about it mentoring other people you know like so when I start working you know I just started working with um, trainees you know and I'm like hey in case you haven't thought about it this is a path that you can kind of go through you know just planting the seed slowly can just really you know, make a difference, you know, encourage collaborations, you know, such as, you know, like this, you know, stuff like that, like, bring, you know, bring them into the rooms, bring them into conversations, I think, can be really just um, beneficial, you know, I, in, in, so in the agency that I worked in, I want to say everyone was a person of color, except one person, however, this was an agency that had been in this community. So it was in the um, Wilshire area for a long time, a long time, working with homeless individuals. So they had just been bought out by this, the agency that I worked for. So that was just a different, you know, experience. But when I jumped into the agency work of a non nonprofit, like not nonprofit, not funded DMH, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's where I was like oh my gosh I'm the only one you know I was like the token black girl like they would talk about racial things and they would of course be like so what do you think about it and in my head I'm like I don't want to talk about this right here like I don't I don't trust you I don't know you you know and little I to call myself baby me because it's been a little bit you know i you know, I wish I would have been like, I don't want to talk about it. That's not what I said. I would try to give, come up with an opinion, you know, and instead of saying like, I don't know what everybody, every black woman in the world is thinking, you know, but even in those spaces, you know, I, I think back to being in that. And I wish my supervisor who at that time did say, and was said the right words, like, I want more people of color that are in this space they're they're doing this but didn't necessarily provide the support to do that because then she would turn around and say well so what do you think about this topic
0: mm-hmm.
2: like as a to speak I'm the token spoke person mm-hmm. right. you know me and this other woman that I work mm-hmm. with and I was like okay come on that's that's not how you do that either you know or when I wouldn't speak up because I was nervous you know at the time I mean I think maybe sometimes now too, but at the time I was scared of talking, I was one, a new clinician, but also I was intimidated of speaking, and I'm going to get raw with it, and speaking in front of white people as a therapist, I felt like they know what they're talking about, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know, they of course should know, you know, that phenomenon, and so that's not true, you know, Um, but I wish, you know, could have been more of a, a, a space of not forcing me to have to talk, because they're, I, I did. I, I got pulled aside and was actually told that I may not be able to continue at that agency. So this is a second agency where they weren't funded by DMH. And so, again, guidelines are different. And it was like, well, you're not speaking up as much. So I don't think you're a fit because you're not speaking about these issues. They didn't necessarily say racial issues, but, you know, stuff like that. Instead of kind of turning the finger around and being like, uh, what's
0: happening there? Wow. Yeah. You know, what's there? Like, what are we doing that yeah. Is contributing to wow. this. Yeah. I'm so. like I'm I'm hearing like half-baked effort, right? Or like backhanded effort
2: mm-hmm.
0: without exactly. without like looking in the mirror, really. Yeah.
1: Which which makes yeah. sense why, you know, as clinicians, we often run from those settings and go into, you know, mm. group practices or private practice. So it it makes sense why it sounds like in that setting it was just not really sustainable for you long term
2: yeah yeah and you know and it wasn't and i think because of the change that was happening right so i had just gotten licensed i had just started this doctor program i had a baby so i had to go and leave and i was like what better time than to make a change and i did and that's kind of how you know i think that's been just my philosophy and a tip to to anyone who's listening is like a good time to make changes are sometimes when things are already changing you know when you're reaching the next step you know so hey you were a trainee here At this place, like, where do you want to go, where you don't want to go? Okay, cool. You're there for a bit, you know, take your licensure exam. Do you want to stay there or do you want to go somewhere different? You want to do something, you know, where it's like taking those opportunities to change. It doesn't have to be just clinical, but also you're moving new, new partnership, new baby, stuff like that. Use those things to kind of evolve yourself and change. I think can, can just feel good and keep you fresh in the field. If that's even a word,
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because I was going to ask you what your secret tip would have been for, you know, trainees and new clinicians going through, you know, all those steps and stages of, of being a therapist or going into education. So for anyone who's out there listening, that is a great piece of advice, right? Like if you have a transitional period coming, if you have change coming, take that as like, as like a, as an open door, to do what you want it to do, to follow that plan and that vision.
1: Beautiful. So our last question that we like to ask all of our guests is how do you keep it real as a modern
2: therapist? Well, y'all already told you I'm showing up on social yeah. media. So that I feel like that's, <laughs> that's as real as you can get, that. you know, yeah. but I think also, I think in, I also kind of know myself and what are my passions are. So I'm not saying that I only work with people that I see that I've gone through obstacles in, but I kind of want to clarify. So for example, I see moms, I'm a mom, yeah. And so, yeah, I have this understanding of the different diagnosis and different stuff of how to support mothers that are going through these things. But if you come in and you tell me you're having a hard time with your sleeping baby, I'm gonna cr- commiserate with you with our coffee. You know, I'm gonna just, you know, share some memes, share some laughter or non-laughter about what kind of what's happening. I'm really gonna bring that self, bring myself in that space. I also work with first generation students, college students. You know, I was a first generation college student, so I tap into that tap into some of the things that we do, kind of provide that support. And I think, I want to say that's a modern therapist thing, because as much as I say, like, I loved my therapist who at the, I went, you know, the community college and really influenced me, She did not show up completely like that, you know, it was a little bit different, you know, and just in bringing yourself in, in that space, you know, and, and so I think that really keeps it, I think it keeps it really, really modern, staying attuned to what's happening in the world, you know, just because... I'm a mom that's struggling with depression doesn't mean that I can't laugh at the fact of, you know, different things. That's kind of, I really think how I show, show up for my, for my clients and also just for other, you know, I said, trainees that I'm supervising all these things. Like, I'm like, this is who I am, you know, I may be a little bit more professional, obviously, you know, in the beginning, you know, but I also bring myself in there and, and I hope that you kind of feel that warmth when I talk you know, to our clients or whoever. So yeah. yeah.
0: Those are wonderful answers. And and ones that I think like keep me excited to be a therapist too. Yeah.
2: Well, we'd love to
1: share where people can find you, Dr. Io. So tell us a little bit more about your social media. Where can people find you there? Your website? Is there anything that you'd love to share here?
2: I'm on Instagram at Dr. Veronica Io on Instagram kind of just has like my website, my blog. i also have a newsletter that goes out of just sharings of different things. You know, primarily the people that I that subscribe are like other mothers or other college students. And I'll be like, I'm listening to this podcast, just different things that I think sometimes, I think when we think of therapy, you know, it's not just the sitting here and talk, there's other aspects of it. You know, sometimes we learn from the podcast that we listen to or like the books that we read or the different experiences out there. So i like to kind of put that all in, that in a nutshell in a newsletter as well. And yeah, that's kind of how the way to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for such an amazing episode. I know our listeners will definitely be treated to some important topics and, and advice to, you know, in their in their journeys as well. So everyone, don't forget that we will include Dr. Veronica Io's information in the show notes. And please, please be sure to go check her out because wow, those reels, those posts, beautiful, informational, you guys would love it.
2: Agreed. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for joining us today on Couch Time. You can find show notes for this episode linked in the description along with all our references and resources mentioned today. If you enjoyed this episode, hit that subscribe button so you don't miss the next one. We will chat again soon. Bye.